The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, February 18th, 2024, on the basis of Mark 1, verses 12 through 15. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. What's your opinion on participation trophies? When a kindergartner goes to their soccer game and they run around for a little while, maybe kick the ball a few times, pick a few daisies, do you think they should be awarded even if they didn't win? Some psychologists say that it's important to teach children that their efforts are just as praiseworthy as the outcome, and so they're in favor of participation trophies. While other psychologists argue that if you give children awards when they haven't really earned them, you're just setting them up to be content with mediocrity. It's interesting, whatever side of the debate you're on, the goal is the same. We want to teach the children to strive for achievement. The one side wants to teach children that they need to try to achieve things without fear of failure. The other side prioritizes the outcome, and they say that children should only be awarded if they achieve something. But whatever side you're on, the goal is the same. We want to teach our children at a young age that achievement is important, which makes sense because achievement is important to us. In our Lent worship series, we're hearing about different currents that are in the world. When everybody's going one direction, we might go along with the flow, and some of these currents are fine. But some of these currents are hijacked by the devil. On Ash Wednesday, for example, we talked about the current of greed. And if you see the current of greed, it's very wide. It catches up just about everybody in our society. But if you follow it all the way back to its source, you'll find that at its source is a lie of the devil. In that case, the lie that life consists in an abundance of possessions. I'm sure you can think of several lies that the devil tries to tell you to get you to set aside your faith in God. Maybe there's one lie you hadn't thought of, one lie that the devil uses specifically to target Christians. It's the lie, be like Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible commands all over the place and in many different ways that we need to be like Jesus. We need to imitate our Savior. We need to love others as he has loved us. But the devil takes that command and he repackages it so that it fits right in with the current of achievement that we care so much about. The devil tries to get us to think that we need to achieve being like Jesus to make sure that God loves us. The gospel reading before us today collides with that be like Jesus current. At first, you might think it's the opposite. You might think that the reading actually plays into the current. Someone might read this story about the devil being tempted in the wilderness and think that Jesus, or Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, and think that Jesus is setting up the blueprint for us for, now, for how we now can go out and defeat the devil in our lives. But that's not why Jesus went into the wilderness, and that's not the message he wants us to get out of this reading. 
we'll see that Jesus did not come to set a good example for us. He came to do battle for us, and he came to hand the kingdom to us. Jesus certainly deserved more than a participation trophy for his efforts out in the wilderness. Those 40 days were probably the worst days of Jesus' life, save his suffering on Good Friday. For 40 days, Jesus did not eat. He did not sleep in a bed. Can you imagine how you'd feel this morning if the last meal you had and the last good night's sleep you got was on January 9th? You think Jesus had some brain fog going on in the wilderness? And when Mark tells us that he was with the wild animals, we shouldn't imagine the Disney princess movies where the birds and the squirrels are singing along with him. No, these animals were predators and they only added a layer to the danger that Jesus had to deal with. These 40 days in the desert were so grueling that we're told that angels needed to come and attend to Jesus when they were over. And that's only the physical challenges Jesus faced in the desert. Think of the spiritual challenges. The devil saw how weak he was, and he came to capitalize. In Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel, they tell us three specific temptations that the devil threw at Jesus towards the end of the 40 days, but Mark simply tells us that Jesus was tempted throughout the entire 40 days. 40 days of being tempted directly by the devil. Think of the struggle and the hardship that Jesus went through. And it brings us back to our question. Why did Jesus put himself through this? Was he trying to be a good leader and showing us that he wouldn't ask us to do anything that he wouldn't first do himself? Was he trying to demonstrate that it is possible to go head to head with the devil and come out on top? Was he trying to give us a game plan of tactics we can use to defeat the devil in our own lives? To really understand what was going on out in the desert, we need to take a step back. Just before Mark tells us that Jesus went out into the wilderness, he tells us that Jesus was baptized. Jesus went to the Jordan River. He was baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist, and it was an amazing sight. The heavens ripped open. The Holy Spirit descended on him as a dove. The voice from heaven said, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And yet, even with all of that going on, there's something more happening at Jesus' baptism. Think about it. The whole purpose of baptism is to give the forgiveness of sins. But Jesus had no sins that needed forgiving. So why was he baptized? Well, he was baptized because he came to save us and to come to live a life as our substitute in our place, he had to become exactly as we are. And so he needed to be baptized like we are. Mark connects Jesus' baptism very closely with his temptation in the wilderness. He says, right after Jesus was baptized, at once he went out into the wilderness. Jesus, one moment, was chest deep in the Jordan River, and the next moment he was on his way out alone to face the devil. This, this is the reason why Jesus went out into the wilderness. It's the same reason for why he was baptized. He was becoming like us in every way. He was being tempted in every way that we are so he could be our substitute. Jesus did not go into the wilderness to set a good example for us. He went to do battle with the devil in our place. When we realize this, 
we start to understand how high the stakes were out in the wilderness. Jesus' defeat would have meant our defeat. All the hopes of all humans of all time are resting squarely on Jesus' shoulders. One misstep, and God's plan to save humankind would have been ruined. One moment of self-indulgence and everything God had been working for ever since Adam and Eve first sinned in the garden would be for nothing. If Jesus had given in to even the smallest of the devil's temptations, he would no longer be perfect, and he would not have been able to be our perfect substitute. We would have been left on our own to face the punishment for our sins. But of course, the reason we're all here today is that Jesus did not fail. He remained perfect throughout those 40 days, and he even remained perfect throughout his whole life, right up until the bitter end. When Jesus was on the cross at the end of his life, he faced the greatest temptation the devil could throw at him. Imagine how tantalizing the idea must have been that Jesus could just take himself off the cross and put an end to his suffering. But he didn't. He didn't because he had you in mind. He had you in mind on the cross, and he had you in mind while he was in the desert. He was determined to take your place so that you would be receiving his perfection. And because we know that Jesus did not fail throughout his whole life, we know that his victory is now our victory. Jesus wastes no time telling us this message. He tells us how we can receive his perfection. He says, the kingdom of God has come near. There are two parts to this message about the kingdom of God. Repent and believe. You might say that repent means to get your mind out of the current. It means to turn from your former way of thinking, do a 180-degree turn, and believe something new. Repent and believe are really two sides of the same coin. And we need to be reminded to repent often. Because even though we know in our heads that Jesus was perfect in our place, sometimes we don't act like it. That be like Jesus current seeps in on us, and we start acting as if he had actually failed in the desert, and it is up to us to earn perfection before God. We start to think that we need to do more good things to outweigh the bad things that we've done. And when we figure out that that won't work, we start to make excuses for our mistakes. Yeah, I sinned, but it's really my circumstances that are to blame. Or we might even resort to that foolish comparison game. Sure, I'm sinful, but look at him. Look at the horrible things he's done. Surely God loves me more than he loves him. If we truly buy into these ideas, what we're actually doing is rejecting what Jesus has done for us. It's like we're saying to Jesus, yeah, thank you, but no thank you. I can earn perfection on my own. Jesus tells us we need to repent. We need to turn from these ideas and instead believe the truth. The truth about the kingdom of God. God's kingdom operates with a completely different set of rules than the kingdoms of the world like we're used to. In our world, we are judged according to our achievements. But in God's kingdom, God does not judge you according to what you've achieved. He judges you according to what Jesus has achieved. It's as if you were the one out there for 40 days in the desert, defeating the devil. 
we know that because God judges us according to Jesus, we can't hope to achieve anything that will make God love us anymore. He already loves us as much as he loves his perfect son. This is the news that Jesus says, that Jesus brings when he says the kingdom of God has come near. He's throwing us a life preserver to pull us out of the current of achievement and set our feet on the solid ground of God's kingdom where we know that we have his perfection. Now that you live in God's kingdom, every decision you make in life, you look at differently. Before, you used to think, whether it was consciously or subconsciously, if I do such and such, will this make me look better or worse before God? Now you know that you are already perfect before God. You have nothing left to prove. You were completely sinful, and now you are completely perfect. God has given this perfection to you. And now, finally, you are able to follow Jesus and his example. Now you can love others, not because you think you need to or else God will punish you, but because you simply love others. Now you can forgive that person who wronged you, not because you need to show God that you always take the high road, but just because you want them to experience a little slice of the forgiveness that you have experienced. God hands you a brand new life in his kingdom, a life that is completely free of any pressure to achieve. As we go through this Lenten season, we're going to hear about more currents that the devil uses to try and pull us away from our Savior. If any of them hit close to home and you start to worry that maybe the devil has you in too deep, remember the one little word that we just sang about in the hymn. Martin Luther wrote that hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, and he included that line, One little word can fell him, that is the devil. Did you ever stop and think about what that one little word is? You might guess that it's a word like God or Jesus or grace or faith, and those are all fine guesses. But Luther actually said what one little word he had in mind. It's this, liar. When you find yourself head to head with the devil, call him what he is, a liar. When you find yourself caught up in the current of achievement, don't try to swim upstream by thinking you have to follow Jesus' example and become perfect. Call the whole idea what it is, a lie. Because you know the truth, that Jesus' victory is your victory. His perfection is your perfection. Repent and believe. Amen.